Welcome to Culture at Work, the podcast that explores the keys to building and maintaining a strong corporate culture during these challenging times when so many are opting to work from home. Hear from experts in the fields of architecture, design, management, real estate, and more as we explore a wide range of approaches to unlocking the potential of your workspace and elevating your organization's culture. I'm your host, Tim Carroll, inviting you to join us as we dive into the challenges of bringing people back to the office and building a culture that inspires, motivates, and connects employees like never before. In this episode, our guest is Travis Harder, market leader for working spaces in Nashville. He has extensive experience in the commercial interiors industry from direct sales, management with multiple companies and responsibilities all over the country. Travis brings an extensive knowledge and insight and we're excited to have him on the podcast today. So let's just get to it. We are going to be going down this journey together. This is a new podcast uh, that we are starting to really focus on the things that really matter uh, to help build and maintain culture in the workplace. Um, an interesting word. We're going to unpack that word a little bit today, but um, it's uh, it, what our goal is to look at the things like space, uh, look at the things uh, like location, real estate, design, all the stuff that really goes into helping create that culture uh, within the organization. And it's become such a um, a popular thing to either say, that's why I'm staying with a company or that's why I'm leaving a company. And so we want to really focus on that. You know, at Working Spaces, we believe we are culture architects, that we are helping to build and maintain culture within their workplace um, through architecture, furniture, and technology. And so this was a natural extension, this podcast, to start uh, going down this road. Um, we are going to have different guests on uh, each week that we can take advantage of their knowledge. Um, and really the fact that we are in so many markets between Denver and Kansas City, Columbia, St. Louis, Nashville, Orlando, we're going to get to really take advantage of, of people across the entire country because all markets are do have their nuances. They are different. And so we're going to get to really dig into that. And so it should be an exciting time. Yeah, I think it'll be great to get different perspectives from different markets and and maybe borrow some ideas and some thoughts from each market to better improve and provide more information for different areas. Absolutely. So what we're going to talk about today is that very important question that's been going on for quite a while, a few years now, yeah. the office versus work from home. Yes. The dreaded work from home versus the office. And, and look, let, let's just go back. Uh, a few years and you know this this thing we came out and we were going to all go home for a couple of weeks to flatten the curve and that turned into what seemed like a lifetime but everybody went home stocked up on toilet paper stocked up on toilet clearly <laughs> um and I remember telling people, you better go out and get your toilet paper. And they were like, you, what? You, what you don't know what you're talking about. It was real. It was real. Um, and brought their computers home and didn't know what the next step was. And there was a healthy amount of fear 
around what is going to happen. Remember, Zoom was brand new. I mean, not new, but really not really known. Yeah. I remember having a Zoom meeting with a bunch of old fraternity brothers right when COVID hit because that was the thing to do was learning. Zoom, Zoom happy hours. Yes, Zoom happy hours and Zoom everything. Everything went to a Zoom, Zoom, Zoom type of world. You know, we had started down the Zoom world about a year before that, right. really, really intently. Um, I got to be honest, COVID really helped us in our adoption of Zoom. It definitely, <laughs> it's the it company. Def- it definitely supported the, the <laughs> we're going in the right direction. I mean, you know, silver lining and everything. But every, everybody brought their computers home. They didn't know what was going to happen next. And you had no options. You could work or you could go for a walk. Yeah. That was about it. Some would say you shouldn't have even gone for a walk. I remember alcohol sales went through the roof during COVID. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I can I can attest. No concept of, of what you're talking about. <laughs> um, anyway, there may be a line item in our budget now because of that. No. <laughs> anyway, just kidding. Um, so, you know, everybody th- just didn't know what was going to happen. And guess what? We all were very productive because we didn't have anything else to do. And we were scared for our jobs and what was going to happen and desperately trying to make sure we proved our worth. Absolutely. It was most of us. It was, it was a uh, trepidatious time Yeah, for everybody. But because of that and the insanity of that, people started to say, well, the office is dead. We're just going to do this from now on. Yeah. No more, no more need for square footage. We're going to cut it in half. We're going to do an every other week scenario, all kinds of stuff. Oh, we're going to dig into that. Um, so, you know, that that was what everybody was, and some still are using it as the argument why the office was, was dead. Now, we believe, and I believe, that culture is built face-to-face. Agree. Some maintaining, and we can get into that as well, can be done virtually, but man, there's just nothing like being face-to-face. I agree. And and I, I mean, Tim, you've got more experience in this than most people I know. Your thesis and your master's program was all about culture at the workplace, correct? Can you do, talk a little bit about that? Building and maintaining culture in a virtual world. And yeah. um, granted, it was a couple of years ago, yeah, not couple. many, not just a, just a couple uh, but the the facts of the matter are still the same today as it was way back in the Stone Age when I did that. It is it's really really difficult to maintain and and impossible to build. Yeah, I mean, there's a number of companies, IBM, Pitney Bowes. I was working at Pitney Bowes uh, years and years ago when they decided to send everybody home and be what they called agile, and. Yahoo, a ton of people have gone down this road way before the pandemic trying to do work from home, and they all brought them back. And, you know, they all said the same thing. Innovation was lost. Hmm. Collaboration, nimbleness. Collaboration sticks out to me. The distractions increased. And they said the same thing as well. The soul of our company was being lost. There was no culture being built. Very true. Imagine bringing, and we did this, imagine bringing someone on during the pandemic 
Do you think that they have a good sense? And if they've never met anybody and they've only worked for you from home, do they ever have a sense of who you are? There's a whole generation of, of college graduates that never worked it. They went straight from college into the workplace, but never went into an office. And it's in two years. So, you know, they're probably a little bit harder to pull along, if you will, into that come to the come to the office dynamic than those that have already been in the office prior to COVID. Well, let's talk about that for a minute, because a new employee fresh out of college Mm -hmm. needs mentorship. Great point. Where are they getting that when they're working online? Though that mentorship happens when they're in the office, they're hearing what the their their more experienced peers are saying on calls and around the office. Situations. How to handle situations? Yeah. You learn a lot from there. There is a mentorship deficit being created by this. And from the employer's standpoint, you hire individuals based off of a skill set, and to be able to grow as a company, you want to be able to share skill sets that others can learn from each other. And it's so hard to do that over a Zoom call or a Teams call on a computer because you're off in 20 minutes and it's right back to what you were doing as opposed to, hey, let's go grab a cup of coffee or let's go, what are you doing for lunch? Or whatever the water cooler, if you will, scenario is, the employer is losing out on that 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 learning from one another to get better. Culture requires pants. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the quote. That's a, that's a t-shirt. That is a t-shirt. Culture requires pants. And I think that we should be out there promoting that as much as possible. You know, what's, what's interesting about this is right as the pandemic started and right as everybody was at home and right as all this stuff was happening, there was an Inc. Magazine um, article that came out and uh, they interviewed uh, the CEO of Zoom. So this is in 2020. Mm-hmm. And he said, culture, uh, technology-wise, we are not really fully uh, ready for work from home. It may be 15 years out for, for productivity or the infrastructure to allow for a full work from home solution. Wow. And, and that's the technology that everybody's been using to, to justify working from home is Zoom. I mean, we're on it right now. I mean, we're face-to-face, but we're, mm-hmm. we're on Zoom yeah. together. But it's it, it's th- that technology is the technology we all use to to say it can work, and that CEO is saying, "We're not ready yet, folks. Cut the brakes before the horse." Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's just so many things um, still out there. I mean, how many times? I mean, it's just the the connection problems that we've had. The the all the issues, you know, kids walking into the meeting, dogs barking. Marge, you're on mute. Yeah. Yep. You've been talking or we see the top of your head. We see the top of your head. Can you please change your camera? We've talked about this. There's a whole art and um, professionalism involved in a Zoom call. There are certain criteria that we've set with our employees that, hey, be professional, be present. We don't put our picture up. We have a live video. The things that matter to make it as personal as as you can, because it's important. It goes back to the face-to-face interaction. It's important. That you're not just a picture frame sitting up on a on a Zoom call, uh, pretending to listen. Uh, absolutely, and I think uh, at the very least, uh, for anybody listening, they, they're, they're, those there should be those rules out there relative to your Zoom. It just you, 
And and we'd have so many meetings with other clients where you can tell they don't have that that set up because you don't ever see them. Yeah. You know, it's it's always their their picture they could or be playing solitaire for all we no know. No doubt. And they're definitely not wearing pants. <laughs> okay. We're gonna break away for a quick message and we'll be right back after this. At Working Spaces, we do much more than just sell furniture. We immerse ourselves in the culture of each and every client and then create spaces that inspire, inspire creativity, inspire productivity, and inspire connectivity. So if you're looking to create an office space that inspires your employees to want to come back to the office, collaborate face-to-face, and do their best work every day, contact Working Spaces. Working Spaces, the innovative leader in office furniture and design since 1999 now in six markets nationwide. Welcome back to Culture at Work. So let's take a few steps back, and I'm curious what you believe the term culture means. I was just about to ask you the same thing. I think we believe a lot of the same things. I looked it up on uh, Google the other day uh, just just to kind of get its comparison to what I think it is. Um, mine is a, mine is a, can't probably like most people, I can't clarify what I want to say. I feel like I've got a pretty good idea of what it is. Um, but when I looked up Google, um, um, I'll just, I'll just type in definition of culture and, um, it gives me the art and other mm-hmm. manifestations of human intellectual achievement regarded collectively. Okay. What? Yeah. So how I would, uh, how I would Travis that is uh, it takes um, a group of individuals uh, to create based off of actions and behavior and uh, how they carry themselves. That, th- that group of employees is what creates the guidelines, if you will, for everybody else to adopt and embrace and, 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 um, accept, accept is probably not the right word, uh, enhance, uh, to create a, uh, a company wide brand, you know, and, and I would hope and believe, and, and, and I think most of the individuals at, 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 um, our company can speak to that because we've had um, that's what we do. We really work with companies on their culture. I think most people though, when asked, will about what culture is they will they'll hear a lot of um well yeah you know i feel like it's um you know our um you know we're a family and um we support each other and we like to work hard and play hard and you hear a lot of that stuff but i just know i'll know it when i see it (laughs) and it so it's it's one of those things that everybody wants to say because they're rarely asked well Tell me more about what you think culture is. And we asked that question. We did. In, in every interaction with clients, we asked that question. What, what, how would you describe your culture? We've had that conversation with CEOs, and sometimes they can't answer the question. And the best definition, and of course, I've had to do a lot of research over this over the years, but the best definition that I've ever found is an agreed set of behaviors created by and maintained by the employees. So people always say, well, this company doesn't create a good culture. Well, I mean, 
I think we should look in the mirror. Um, <laughs> you know, I think a company can be the bumpers. Right. Guidelines. The guidelines. Um, but I, I I don't know that a company can really change the culture too much. They can give a space where culture can grow. Um, you know, those times in in a company when everybody, we me, me included, I was guilty of this, thought that the you know, kind of quote unquote water cooler talk was a waste of time. I mean, let's just get back to work now. Come on. Um, <laughs> that's right. Go. That's right. But we but what we have now realized is that's where the seeds of culture are starting to be planted and flourish. Mm-hmm. And now a lot of companies, they have spaces being built specifically for their employees to hang out, have drinks together, you know, interact. Accidental design. Yeah. Where they're accidentally, quote unquote, uh, meeting at certain areas more often than not. Creating community within, you know, the the number one thing pre-COVID, the number one, statistically, the number one reason why people would stay in a job that they're in is because they had their friends that worked with them. It's important. You spend almost, if not more, time with people at work than you do your family. Waking hours, absolutely. Waking hours, absolutely. So so it's important to want to come to work and see the people that you're with and hang with the people you're with because if you don't, you're not going to stick around. And so that's that's where that company culture comes in where you want to provide a welcoming, engaging atmosphere to get productivity done, but also engage in collaboration. How many times have you ever heard an employee say, you know, I could make money, more money somewhere else, but I just, I, I just really like the people Mm -hmm. here. It's important. I mean, it's, it's not it, whether people realize it or not, it's more important than, than I think a lot of people. Now uh, there was a brief moment of time called, you know, I think they deemed it the great resignation. Mm -hmm. People were jumping, looking for more money. I think statistically as well, they came out and said like 60% um, have come back and realized they they made a mistake by just leaving to chase the dollar uh, because the culture matters in that organization. What do you think the number one way to change or support a culture is? What do you think that is? Hmm. Change or support a culture. Uh, you mean from the employer standpoint or from the employee standpoint? Employer. Employer. Uh, I think um, I think when you're hiring and when you're coaching, you've got to uh, look for the people that are willing to be leaders and lead by example, maybe not necessarily just their words. But I think when when you work with your employees on building a brand and building a culture and getting people to buy in, and then spread that within the organization, it'll go a long ways. Totally agree. Again, statistically, the best way to immediately change or support the culture is change your space. Awesome. And that's what we do. And that's why we ask that question to our clients all the time. What, what, what's your culture? What, and and then we have to really ask deeper questions because again, they do not sometimes don't even answer the question. They 
they they throw words out, but they're not really saying anything. So we have to really say, what if we interviewed one of your employees? How would they say it is to work for your company? Then we start digging in and getting a little bit more deeper into what that culture truly is. And that space can either, if you want to change it, change up the space. Yeah. Well, we talked we talked about it just the other day, five years ago, 10 years ago, almost every office project was led by what cubicle would be decided upon. And then all the ancillary furniture would follow your private offices, your cafe seating, your lobby, your conference rooms. Now projects are led by ancillary space furniture where people, if they want to sit in a beanbag chair, if they want to sit in the cafeteria, if they want to sit in the lobby, providing them opportunities to work where they want to work, however productive they, whatever gives them the best success for productivity. And oh, by the way, we might, we might need a workstation. We might need a couple cubicles. It's changed 180 degrees based off of this culture dynamic that we're talking about. Choice and control of where and how you work. You know, the shift that I see is especially after COVID and the Dialogue, it's not necessarily work from home. It's how do we home from work? Mm. Mm. How do we set up a space that can allow people to curl up on the sofa with a blanket and still work like they did at home? Yeah. I think I I think I read 12% of all projects have cubicles. 12. That's crazy. 12% of of, that used to be the lion share. The lion share. Let's 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 um let's talk a little bit about working from home and the hybrid model. Um, I don't think it's going anywhere. I don't think we'll ever see, at least in the foreseeable future, a five-day, eight to five, punch the clock, come back to work full-time. I think hybrid is here to stay in some form or fashion. But I think the question is, is what's the best way? I know that uh, there's a a recent article in Business Insider, um, major companies have uh, instituted a back-to-work minimum of three days a week, your Amazons, your Apples, your city groups, your, your Googles, your all of which, by the way, said at the beginning, we're doing all yep. work from home. And this that, is the wave of the future. Disney's on a four day. They're, they're a four day back, even though some of them are fighting it. It's a four day city group is a two day, but they're back. And, and, and the most, the most common days of the hybrid from the office are Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So we talked about this one day and, and, and I was dealing with a client who has multiple locations and their biggest issue is the logistics of different markets, d- same company, but different days off or work from home. Days off is not the right word. Work from home. So from a simple basic, I would think you'd want to get everybody on the same page just so you know how to get a hold of people. But talk to me a little bit about, in your opinion, the hybrid model, it's here to stay in my opinion. What are your thoughts? All right. So again, just to level set, work from home does work for, for some. And again, I think we Job should. Job responsibilities. Well, if you've got a, a, a small enough company, you've been together for many years, you have a shorthand, there's not a lot of turnover, um, or you've got a company that no matter what the size, it's a bunch of individuals doing heads down work programming or whatever. Or you're hiring as a freelance just to yeah. help. It can work. So I don't want to just be these, you know, a couple of dudes trying to get everybody back, get everybody back to the office. Yeah. But it can work. Um, 
it works for my brother. My brother works for worked for a company that that was small and and uh, they'd been together forever. And you know, it it, it works. Um, so and and I also don't know for sure that that eight to five is dead. I mean, I think some people that's going to work for. And that they have no choice, by the way, as well. Side note on that. Is that generational, you think? I think the boomers are probably more your oh. punch the clock at 745, out the door at 515. No no doubt. And then working your way down, it changes, right? No doubt. I think that there are some jobs that require that. And so I don't want to dismiss that. There's some people that just have to be there. Um, you know, uh, Elon Musk said, so, so some of the employees of our employees have to be here Monday through Friday. But you're saying you don't, right? You're saying you're so special that you shouldn't have to do what everybody else does, right? So you know he has he, a very he, yeah he thinks it's a moral issue. He has a very yeah. hard hard line, uh, but hybrid I think is here to stay. I think a lot of people are are going to do it. The shift work doesn't work. We tried early on. Um, we tried a bunch of different models just so we could adequately and, and you know have an educational conversation um about what works and what doesn't for us and we tried it for our clients and we tried the shift work and and what we saw happening where we have an a group and a b group you know monday wednesday friday tuesday thursday then they swap and what you start to ha- have are two different cultures being built and you have somebody in the B group going, but I love the culture of the A group and I want to be in that group and vice versa. And then you have all this kind of push and pull. You're creating more problems. And um, and look, I know if there's going to be somebody listening to this going, well, we're doing it and it seems to work just fine. I would just say, wait, <laughs> be patient. Your time's coming. Um, but regardless, um, I think Microsoft had that issue where they were doing a week on week off and it created two different cultures altogether. And they just said, you know, enough's enough. We're back. That's just, there's no way you can't, because again, a creative, a, a set of behaviors created by and maintained by the employees. It doesn't matter how cookie cutter you, your experience is inside the space that the company provides you. The people are what's going to make that culture change. Mm-hmm. And you have a different group of people together. That's right. So it's, but I do think hybrid's great. I mean, look in the big cities and I lived in New York for many years and trust me, I get it. Those people that are in in, having to do these extremely long commutes. I lived in Chicago. Giving that time back to people to maybe self-care. And, you know, you hear people saying that they get to maybe go to the gym where they didn't used to and all that stuff. That's, that's great. I think that's fantastic. And you can, Provided you can get it done and your productivity stays. I stand by, and this is pure opinion, um, anecdotal opinion. I've just seen it and play out over the years, many years. Uh, it's it's tough. It's a small group, I think, of people that can truly get up, be self-motivated, and work from home at a high level. Yeah, self-starting is, is, is not an... I don't. Th- I don't think you can learn it. I personally believe it's a DNA thing. I think if you're going to learn it, it's going to take a long time. And again, pure opinion. If you if you're listening to this, going, I have no problem. It's so easy for me. You may not be doing it well. <laughs> I think 
I feel like I can get up, I can work from home if I need to and get a lot done, but I find it difficult. I find it difficult. I know the difficulties in it. I recognize the difficulties in it and I kind of work through that and push through it despite. Well, one last thing here before we start to wrap things up. Talk to me a little bit in your opinion on the importance of of productivity. Which days? Like Fridays are probably not a fair day to work from home, in my opinion, because productivity will probably fall off. So I, we, you know, we choose. But vacation to- time will increase. I oh, mean, right, a lot right, of yeah. a lot of cutting out early. And- boy. So we choose Wednesdays right now. But talk to me a little bit about that, and then also about how companies probably need to be offering a work from home model of some source, or you're going to you have the potential of losing talent. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'll take the the second one first. I think that um, what we found is we we needed to to attract and retain. We needed to do this. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, again, there was this time during this great resignation. It was um, we were trying to to figure out what the secret sauce was. It was all just kind of crazy. Um, so I do think you've got to figure out what is your as a company, business aside from culture and aside from all, but just um, from from uh, someone who runs a company to anyone else that may be doing the same thing, it, you got to find your perk package that that is going to attract, attract, and, and then retain. Side note, you know, great way to do that as well as a great space, but attract and retain. <laughs> but um, you know, the other is the days, and there are statistical days that are more productive. Um, Friday is not one of those days. Right. Um, and so you add to that work from home and that's just going to increase the likelihood that you're not going to get everything out of, uh, of the employees. And, and I, and again, I believe that whatever you choose Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, heck, even if it's Monday, Wednesday, it, it is, my opinion again that the office should be the majority of the time and the hybrid should be yeah li- the you know one or two days we choose one in the middle of the week it breaks up the week i feel like kind of work from home wednesday um it's got a nice ring it's too. got a nice ring to it so it just felt like it had to be right <laughs> no but it's all the way thursday was not enough. no 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 <laughs> uh but um I think it does kind of mix it up. And you know what the interesting piece of this is? I'd say half of our employees, if not more, still choose to come in on Wednesday. Yeah. Our offices still have some some activity and buzz. Maybe not all Wednesdays, but but um, a lot of them, there's still a lot of activity. And if, if Wednesday is an appointments day or somebody wants to come by a showroom or wants to schedule a meeting, you're not going to say no. You're still going to be, that's still home base. That's right. Right back to where, how we started this. That is your home away from home during the week. Yeah. So I, what I would say, and, I, and and this is kind of the last topic here is, in my opinion, there's two different perspectives to be thinking about. There's the employer perspective and the pl- employee perspective. The employer perspective, the culture is the anchor of loyalty for your employees. Here's what I know. And not for nothing, this is something we have been touting since June of 2020. Mm-hmm. 
not to, you know, pat ourselves on the back, but we had been putting out videos about how this was going to play out years ago at the beginning of the pandemic. And sure enough, these, these companies that have said, we're going to be all work from home and they're now starting to bring people back because of the reasons why IBM did and Pitney Bowes did and Yahoo did. But bringing people back anchors them to something. Without it, you are renting your employees. And by the way, there is a dollar figure mm. to every turnover that you have. Everybody that leaves your company has a dollar figure to their head to replace them. And so you want to make sure you're not just renting. I know people that have worked from home, agile, out in the field, salespeople for many, many years. And guess what? They job hop because nothing's tying them to it. The next person that offers them $5 more and something shiny, they jump and, and go to that because I'm going to do the same thing. I might as well get paid more. Right. I'm still in my home office. Nothing, nothing else has changed for me. anchoring me. Yep. Heck, I know somebody that even the people they're calling on hasn't changed. They're just, they're in the medical field and they're just changing the people that, right, cut their checks and the amount. So that that loyalty is not there. That renting, that idea of renting your employees is there. So you've really got to think that through and really think about what you want out of that. Then the employee perspective, and this is an interesting side. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Okay. Because I think this is a piece that all of these individuals that are out there screaming for and, and pounding the pavement saying they want they think work from home is is the answer. The if you if you make your presence irrelevant, the rest of the world becomes your competition. Yeah. There are people I know, especially in the in the IT world, that if they were interviewing for a job, they were maybe one of 20 or 30. Now they're one of 3,000 because people from all over the world who are willing to work for less are vying for your position. Harder to differentiate. Very, it's much harder. Yeah. Because your presence isn't necessary. Yep. And you're just a number. And what happens to those people? And I think this is coming, but what do you think about those, about the idea that eventually the people that are getting promoted? Yeah. I think that you have to be in right i think i mean listen to a certain point if you're going to promotion typically involves some form of leadership not always but sometimes some form of leadership how am i going to lead a team that's in the office every day and i'm not and an how, understanding of the company right absolutely how can and and so when all things are in my opinion when all things are considered equal between two or three candidates the candidates that are in the office every day as part of the team in, in embracing and demonstrating and showcasing the culture that has been set forth, they're going to get the nod nine times out of 10. And they have the relationships. That's right. By the way, relationships, boy, I, I wish I knew that when I got out of college, how important it all just boils down to relationships, everything. Absolutely. After just even simple things like, Hey, let's go grab a drink after work, or let's go grab dinner on the way home, or let's hit the gym, or let's go to yoga. When you're at home, you're not a part of any of that. Yeah. And so it's hard to get back to your question. I think promotions will definitely be impacted based off of who's in the office and who's not. 
And therein lies the next wave of lawsuits and all the stuff that, <laughs> right. that are probably be coming out. But that's right. Um, but I truly think that that it's the right choice to have people because you want them to quote unquote get it. Yep. Well, and as an employer, that's the that's the future of your company, right? As the employers age out and retire, they're leaving behind a legacy. They want that legacy to be in the hands of those that understand and can continue that legacy. Uh, that has been successful. Culture requires pants. There we go. We'll <laughs> end with that. So this is this is what it's about. We're just going to have these conversations, uh, you know, uh, once a once a month. Um, we'd love for you to subscribe. We'd love for you to join us uh, in the conversation. And um, I, we're going to really attempt to dig deep into some of these things that we talked about today. Um, some other categories and topics that we'll. Um, come up with later, I mean, address later uh, with these folks. I mean, it's going to be about this conversation, but the real estate or the design, the space, the space. And let's really dig into how, and I said that statistically the best way to, to change or support culture is to, to change the space. Well, we're going to prove that in this, uh, as we, as we go on and talk to some people, uh, much, much smarter than, than Travis and I. Uh, and that's the most important thing. We're gonna we're gonna bring in some very very smart people, and uh, and have these dialogues. So it should be fun. So join us uh, next time as we really do dig into what makes uh, culture with uh, culture at work by Working Spaces. 